Celebrating 70 years of getting more books to more people. At last, we made it to the final book toy show for 2021 here on Fine Music Radio. Welcome to the show, sponsored by Exclusive Books, and I'm your host, Paige Nick. We have some wonderful reads to recommend and a whole lot of Christmassy music to really get us all in the spirit. This year has been a difficult one, but despite it all, I have to say, I've read some incredible books, and in so many ways, it does feel like it's been an exceptional year for publishing. And now we're so close to Christmas, I can almost feel it. I'm building my stack of summer reads, and I don't know about you, but I can't wait for some time out so I can get reading. On the show this month, we have a little something for everyone. Whether you're looking to buy a bookie gift for the youngest reader in your life, that relation who has everything, your grumpy uncle or your oldest friend who loves to cook, we have a recommendation to suit every palate. So grab a pen for these ideas and stay tuned. Starting with our youngest readers, Leanne Voicy is here to tell us about The Christmas Pig by J.K. Rowling. The Christmas Pig, J.K. Rowling's most recent children's book, takes a warm, funny and deep look at the human condition and what it ultimately is we are all looking for. From a garish dust cover and slightly formulaic beginning, we are whisked to a supernatural, yet strangely believable world known as the Land of the Lost. And it is here, on Christmas Eve, that Jack, the protagonist, must find his beloved lost toy pig with the help of a brand new replacement one who he despises. Rowling sets up her characters and plot meticulously. She takes loss, a concept every one of us can relate to, and creates a tale that can be kept superficial on losses like car keys and socks, then explore deeper losses like giving up bad habits or losing ambition, peaking with fundamental losses like loss of happiness, loss of hope, and loss of life itself. This land, although totally fantastical, is deeply reminiscent of the world we live in. Rowling's just always gets it right here. Of course the bossy loss adjusters, who sought newly arrived lost things into groups, would be can openers, staplers, pocket knives and prickly things like that. And of course valuable diamond earrings would be appalled if they were forced to be grouped with plastic beads and rhinestone brooches. Rowling's genius has always been that the universes she creates closely resemble the situations and personalities we can identify with from our world. In this well-crafted, imaginary, and thus far safer place. She can present intellectual themes from Orwell's Animal Farm, pushing it to images and practices from Nazi Germany's death camps, all while keeping it age-appropriate. Rich in character development and social commentary, she takes on philosophical questions and even provides some good answers. Like her Harry Potter series, this book is for all ages. It is thought-provoking whether the listener is a child too young to read it for themselves, or a mature reader wryly identifying with what it feels like to lose beauty. The Christmas Pig by J.K. Rowling is beautifully illustrated by Jim Field, and I just can't believe that he okayed that gaudy dust jacket, because inside his art is rich and classy. Available on Kindle as an e-book and in hardcover, this adventure will make the perfect Christmas gift. You know, Leanne, I agree with you about the cover. Such a strange choice. 
but the contents do sound great and perfect for the littlies and the biglies reading it to them. Next on Book Choice on Fine Music Radio, sponsored by Exclusive Books, let's move up an age group and talk about something that might inspire the young adult in your life. Now on Book Choice on Fine Music Radio, sponsored by Exclusive Books, let's move up an age group and talk about something that might inspire the young adult in your life. I'm joined in the studio by Vanessa Levenstein, who's interviewing Tian de Bot. He's a 17-year-old who's written and launched his first novel called Polybius. Last night, the 3rd of November, South African author Damon Gulgut won the 2021 Booker Prize for his novel, The Promise. Now, Damon was only 17 when his debut novel was published. And today, I'm chatting to an author who has also published his first book at 17, Tian de Bot. And the book is Polybius. Welcome to Book Choice. Thank you. Before we even discuss the plot, what made you decide that you were going to write a book? I know it's a fairly typical thing to say, but since I was small, I've always wanted to write a book, but ugh, to, to find a motivation and time, that was the, the big problem. Luckily, though, in 2020, there was a lovely six-month-long lockdown in which I didn't have any school, and uh, the rest is history. I love the positive spin you've just put on the pandemic. That's fantastic. Tell us about the plot and how you came up with the idea. So th- this might be a bit of a lengthy description, but I remember when I was small, me and my friends, there was this shopping mall near us called N1 City. And in this mall, there's an arcade. It's called Wonderland. And I remember when we were small, there was this front section of the arcade where most of the people would always go. But then one day we decided to look what's at the back of the arcade and we found there was an entire hidden section with there were almost no people in there. I think that was the uh, initial spark, but I'd say the, most of the inspiration for the book comes from the urban legend the book's actually based on. And the title, which before this interview you very kindly have helped me to pronounce correctly. It's fine. I, so far, not a single person has managed to say the title correctly. The title? So. <laughs> Where did you come up with that idea? So the prefix poly is Latin for many, but the suffix bias is Latin for bios, meaning life. So when you put the two words together into polybius, it means many lives, which becomes very relevant quite later in the book. I can only imagine that you're fantastic at English at school if you're talking about prefixes and... Latin words. Yes, it's, it's my highest subject, actually. Are you also a keen reader? Oh, yes. I should say I love reading, but I'm a very picky reader. So I haven't read that many books as I should have, but the few books that I do read, I enjoy quite thoroughly. Are you also a keen gamer? Obviously, yes. <laughs> As of, yes, yes. Okay, so did you find time to game and to write? Because I know I've got a son who spends a lot of time gaming. I wonder how you've packed a book in between playing games? <laughs> as, as I said, it was lockdown. I had absolutely nothing to do. I had a schedule to play games for a bit, write the book for another bit. Yeah. It took actually very long to write the book. I'm so surprised I managed to do it. Well done. Yeah. Can we look forward to another book? Yes, though I should say I'm a bit busy at the moment. Next year I'm matric, so I doubt that I'll be able to start any work on a new book soon, but as soon as I'm out of school, I definitely plan to write further. It's wonderful. Now, where can our listeners get a copy of your book? They can go to 
www.beyondtheveilpublishing.com or if they want to, and I actually prefer the second method, they can simply contact me directly at my email, which is tiandebot2 at gmail.com. So that's Tian Debord, and I'm going to spell that T-I-A-A-N-D-E-B-O-D, and then the numeric 2 at gmail.com. That's correct. Strength to you, and we look forward to your exciting, brilliant career. Thank you. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year It's the happiest season of all With those holiday and gay happy meetings when friends come to call It's the happiest season of all There'll be parties for hosting marshmallows for toasting and caroling out in the snow There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago It's the most wonderful time of the year There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near It's the most wonderful time of the Scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time. It's the most wonderful time for the most wonderful time of the year. That was It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year by Andy Williams. And I think any time someone gives you a book for a gift has to be the most wonderful time of the year. My name is Paige Nick, and you're tuned into the very last episode of Book Choice for the year here on Fine Music Radio, and the whole thing is sponsored by Exclusive Books, bringing us lots of readings greetings this year. How about some ideas for gifts for the fiction readers in your life? Do you have an aunt, a cousin, a friend, a boyfriend, or a partner who always has their nose in a book? Well, then one of these are sure to tickle their fancy. Leanne Voicey joins us again clutching the latest by Gail Schimmel, called Never Tell a Lie. This author is one of my mom's favorite authors, 
And this book has been hotly anticipated. So, Mom, if you're listening, spoiler alert, you know what you're getting for Christmas. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. These lines from a Walter Scott poem provide the themes for South African author Gail Schimmel's latest novel. An ideal read for the upcoming holiday season, Schimmel delivers a down-to-earth, relatable story with enough humour and personality development to drive the plot forward in a way which feels, for the most part, believable. With no cardboardy, one-dimensional baddies or goodies, this cleverly constructed thriller spends enough time setting the scene and getting the reader invested so that the unfolding drama doesn't force one to have to suspend all disbelief in order to enjoy it. No spoilers to be found here, only to say that if descriptions of domestic violence are upsetting or triggering for you, then this is not the book that you need. If you are, however, looking for an entertaining paperback or ebook to offer an escape for a few hours, then Never Tell a Lie by Gail Schimmel will fit the bill nicely. Sticking with something else for the fiction fan in your life, Beverly Ruiz Muller took to John Le Carre's latest, titled Silverview. This is a book that Le Carre's fans will be both happy and sad to read, for reasons Beverly will tell us about next. This is the very last time you will hear about a new book by spy writer John Le Carre, because he died a year ago, aged 89, leaving behind the skeleton of this novel. If you are, like me, a dedicated fan, then Silverview is essential reading. It's not his best book. But luckily, Le Carre, whose real name was David Cornwall, wasn't capable of writing a dud. All his trademark characteristics are here, and every now and then there's a well-turned sentence which lifts the heart and reminds us of his writing powers at their height. He was not only the master of spy novels, but more than that. In his heyday, a very fine literary writer too, nominated for the International Booker Prize in 2011. The stable of his well-worn characters are here. The solid, decent Englishman, not after glory but service, shades of the old Cold War spy George Smiley. The naive bookseller Julian, a little too keen on skirt and not quite as bright as he should be. The enigmatic, ageing European refugee Edward, probably not his real name, married to a well-born woman of intelligent service nobility, a cleverer version of Smiley's more flighty wife, Lady Anne. The wife is dying, and as the story unfolds, we realise she suspects her charming husband of batting for the other side, and in this case I mean as a double agent. There's also the intelligent service couple who ran Edward as an agent and who are so invested in him that they fail to see the notable signs of his dereliction. Again, shades of another fine novel of his, The Russia House. The banker-turned-bookseller Julian is rather naive. Edward suggests using his bookstore basement to set up a sort of elite book club, the Republic of Literature, and in Tutex has installed computers, phones, and some mysterious comings and goings. Edward also has a feisty daughter, Lily, a single mum marooned in a world of privilege and puzzlement. So, of course, Julian falls for her, effectively blinding himself from whatever it is that Edward is getting up to. The beating heart of Silverview is anchored in betrayal, as are all of Le Carre's novels without exception. And to understand that, you need to understand a little of his own life, 
of his venal, awful father, a notorious con man with grand pretensions, who did time for fraud and who kept popping up in the author's life in awkward and criminal circumstances. His own mother disappeared from this intolerable world, abandoning her two small boys to a very unhealthy life. This betrayal by both of his parents is most brilliantly executed in Le Carre's novel A Perfect Spy, beautifully written and penetrative in insight to the damage betrayal does to a child and indeed a country. The author would go on to spy briefly for England as a young man before his writing career took off. His books struggle against the evils of the Cold War or other clashing ideologies or the treacherous greed of corporates tyrants, and cold-hearted, sleek-suited bankers and boardroom gangsters. For Le Carre loathes communism, fascism, capitalism, Brexit, and greed in almost equal measures. If you've never read his work, then Silverview will be a pleasant beginning. It's slender and simpler than his more comprehensive books, such as The Honourable Schoolboy, one of my absolute favourites. Either way, it's well worth considering as a holiday read or as a present for someone you like. Of all the authors on my shelves, and there are many, he is the one who has given me the most pleasure. We're going to Miss Lacar. He wrote 25 novels and one memoir, and he sold more than 60 million copies of his work worldwide, making this a worthy gift for the reader in your life. Sticking with gifts for fictionistas here on Book Choice, Beryl Eichenberger brings us two reviews for the price of one. The first is of a book called One Fine Day by Erna Fanzel, and the second is a book called State of Terror by none other than Hillary Clinton. Yes, that Hillary Clinton, and she partnered with Louise Penny to write this one. Two energetic and absorbing thrillers will have you glued to your lounger, but at a stiff drink for good measure. Racy, pacey, and so very South African. In One Fine Day, media queen Erna Fanzel has created a cast of characters and a terrific story pulsing with energy from the very first page. Relevant and relatable, exploring relationships pulsing with secrets, past lives and a nice juicy murder, her writing holds you captive. The backstory fits with the South African psyche, even down to the cat named Mr. Bow, but who's actually a missus. Familiar Cape Town and Karoo destinations and events give another view of what is hidden beneath the beauty. Lowe has disappeared after an event with a tricky guest speaker client at a very upmarket hotel at the waterfront. Her partner, Christine, is frantic, with a myriad of possibilities tormenting her. When the client is found dead at the hotel, big question marks are flagged. Is Lowe on the run? What's the connection with her mother's hijacking 21 years ago? Christine springs into action, calling in best friends Nicholas, who knows the cop on the case, and Zani, pot-smoking, cat-border and honey-collector to find the trail and a tumultuous journey ensues. So many layers to the psychologically scarred Lowe and for Christian, unravelling the disparate threads holds a key to their relationship. The reader is taken on a ride of epic proportions, hurtling through the cape as each piece of Lowe's past threatened to engulf them. The present races to meet the past with electrifying consequences. The strength of any novel, and most particularly in a thriller, is in the detail, and Fincel has plotted this thriller with precision. She is acutely aware of the quirky characters that people South Africa, and uses them to bring life and colour to the prose. She knows how to build the tension and hold it. But the message I got from this well-constructed read was that hanging on to the bitterness and hatred of the past is the most damaging and destructive element for a peaceful present. 
State of Terror is a political thriller that is all too relevant, bringing together acclaimed novelist Louise Penny and her close friend, politician and author Hillary Rodham Clinton. Penny had once asked Clinton about her time as Secretary of State and what had been her worst nightmare. This is the answer, an explosively plausible novel. For Penny, creator of the hugely successful Quebecois Chief Inspector Armand Gamache series, this was a challenge, political thrillers not being her genre. Noli Temere, Be Not Afraid, a poster above her desk, pushed her into the ring and conquer that fear she did with extraordinary aplomb. Hold on to your nerves as you venture into this all-too-real world. A new administration has just been sworn in following the lunatic former presidency. Secretary of State Ellen Adams is unravelling those damaging effects. The withdrawal of American troops in Afghanistan has given power back to the Taliban. Nuclear warfare is on the Middle Eastern table, and the shadowy figure of unscrupulous arms dealer Bashir Shah haunts her. When two bus bombs explode in London and Paris, and a lowly U.S. Foreign Service officer receives a baffling text, it points to a rogue terrorist organization developing a nuclear arsenal. It's a bit like a chess game with Adams the pawn of the new president, with her trusted female associates that move swiftly using instincts, intelligence and intuition to avert international horror and find the White House traitor. And the clock ticks. Breathtaking in its scope, I enjoyed the solidity between the female characters, the treachery and intrigues of the White House and the authenticity of the plot. Penny cleverly brings Gamache into the cast as the intelligence centres of the world are consulted. The pace is fast, tension builds, and this is a book to read in one sitting. Read the two authors' notes as they shed light on the task undertaken. Definitely one of the best international thrillers of 2021. One Fine Day by Erna Fonsale is published by Penguin. State of Terror by Hilary Rodham Clinton and Louise Penny is published by Simon & Schuster.
was Come Colours Rise, a South African Christmas carol composed by Grant McLachlan, sung by the Herschel Chorale, conducted by Margaret Barlow. And you're tuned into Book Choice on Fine Music Radio, proudly sponsored by Exclusive Books. Let's turn to the perfect gift for that nature-loving aunt, geography or biology teacher, your stepdad or grumpy grandpa. What have you got for us, John Hanks? If you're looking for a book to buy for a Christmas present that you could be confident is one of those that will be read and enjoyed, then I have no hesitation in recommending David Bristow's latest production with the beguiling title The Lion, the Dung Beetle and the Felt Toolbox, 20 Bush Tales from Southern Africa. The fourth in this series of Bush Tales from an entertaining and master storyteller. David Bristow has spent much of his time in some of the more inaccessible parts of Southern Africa, starting with trips with his bush-loving schoolmates, and he met many of the capricious characters who live and work there, capturing with humour and honesty the almost inevitable eccentricities associated with remote living. He's also run a safari camp in the Okavango Delta, giving him close encounters with first-time visitors to Africa with unbelievable preconceptions about the continent's wildlife. One visitor, seeing hippo emerge during the day in water, assumed they ate fish, and when told that they emerge at night to graze on the surrounding grassland, exclaimed, What? They have legs? The 20 tales he has presented here focus on little-known and intriguing facts about the wildlife species he has encountered, often in the form of anecdotes based on his own observations and experiences, but always in a highly readable form linked to the scientists who publish this information. And he's up to date, too, with a surprisingly wide range of data and sources of information including Craig Foster's inspiring documentary, My Octopus Teacher. He's included not just the charismatic megafauna, but other far less well-known species, including birds, marine species and insects. To keep you turning the pages, he's also done a great job with some hair-raising accounts of human-wildlife interactions with enraged lions, crocodiles, snakes and hippopotamuses, some leading to death of the humans concerned, and others almost implausible survival, all of which, of course, are ideal stories to embellish around a campfire at night. A good storyteller must entertain, ideally have credibility to avoid the cynics losing interest and include humour and drama. This book has it all and I'm sure will be widely enjoyed and appreciated. The title again... The Lion, the Dung Beetle and the Felt Toolbox, 20 Bush Tales from Southern Africa. It's written by David Bristow and it's published by Jakarta Media, Auckland Park. You can buy a copy for 250 rand. As I mentioned, we really do have something for every palette, from young to old, fiction to non-fiction, and even something you might want to read in every room of your house, including the kitchen. Philippa Shefferts has been reading and cooking from the new Yotam Otolenghi, and it's called Test Kitchen. Universally acclaimed Yotam Otolenghi is a co-owner with Sami Tamini of six restaurants and delis in London. Now another passion is spending time in his test kitchen, developing new recipes with his distinctive creative style. At OTK, that's in-house for Otolenghi Test Kitchen, 
He works with a talented team. The food is rooted in Jerusalem, where he was born and grew up. It's strongly Middle Eastern, but open to global inspiration. Leading the team is Noura Mouraj, who informally crowns herself the Queen of Middle Eastern Feasts. Verena Lochmela is a Google search engine to all baking questions. Ishta Belfrage, co-author of Flavor, always first to know the latest beauty trends. Tara Wigley is the in-house word wizard. Gita Fisher is a man who keeps the team in check. Chaya Poo is the latest addition. Invaluable is Claudine Balstrich, who tries and tests all the recipes from her family kitchen in Wales. During the first lockdown in 2020, OTK had to close down, but the team stayed in touch, sharing recipes and ideas, innovatively using whatever was on hand in the pantry or on kitchen shelves. It's hard to cook without shopping every day. This was the beginning of the idea of shelf love. Otelengi has published nine best-selling cookbooks, but this one, co-authored with Noura Morad, is written for home cooks, the first in a promised series. It's about using humble ingredients, readily available in the pantry, fridge, or freezer, or vegetable box. These are exceptional, well-tested recipes, but the ideas, skillful tips, and creative twists are there to give a confidence to break the rules, to take the recipes, and make them your own. Otelengi wants us to be your most used book in the kitchen. Write on it on it. It's not just a recipe book, but a handbook to delicious daily meals. The recipes are organized into six sections. That one shelf in the back of your pantry. Clear out that shelf and use the overlooked ingredients in new ways. Savory oat porridge with ginger garlic crumbs. Your veg box. Vegetables are the mainstay of the OTK in line with Adelangi's love of vegetables. A multitude of vegetables are smushed, grated, grilled, roasted. Who does the dishes? This section focuses on cooking in one pan, one tray, one dish, an easy method that scores on taste and as a bonus saves on washing up. Confit tandoori chickpeas, baked orza put in fridge raid. A look through the fridge can be the inspiration for something deliciously different. Recipes are both homey and edgy. Mac and cheese uses Middle Eastern spices and is topped with batter, pesto, and crispy onions. The freezer is your friend. Share the recipes in freezer favorite, curried cauliflower, cheese, yellow pie. At the very end, something sweet to balance out the salty. Verena takes it seriously, understanding that baking and pastry are science. Try the coconut green cake.
You were just listening to an old-fashioned Christmas sung by the Carpenters, and now you're listening to me, Paige Nick, and I'm your host here on Fine Music Radio for Book Choice. We're counting down the hits in terms of books you definitely want to either read or give away this festive season. If, like me, you'll be spending quite a bit of time with your family these holidays, you may be eyeing out your wine rack and making sure you have enough of the good stuff to either give away or to keep you sane, or probably a bit of both. So the next book is going to ensure that you not only have the perfect gift for the wine lover in your life, but also that when you dare drink to stay sane in the next couple of weeks, at least you'll be drinking the good stuff. So Melvin Minar, tell us about this year's John Platter Wine Guide. In my hand, I have a gorgeous gift, the new latest Platter Wine Guide. It's the format and the cover color that makes this the giftiest of gifts, even to those, or particularly for those, who never read back labels on wine bottles. The booklet, hardly a diminutive let these days, with no less than 720 pages, covering about 900 wineries, has the format and feeling of handiness. A quick page turn to reference and find out what you want to know. We're talking the latest edition of the somewhat awkwardly titled Platter's South African Wine Guide 2022 by Diners Club widely famous over the decades simply as Platter or the Platter Wine Guide. This is the 42nd edition, a remarkable achievement and not only a super and wide-ranging Venice guide, but an up-to-date record of detailed local wine history. The nifty hardback lies happily in your hand. This year's annual cover color surprise is a bluntly elegant black with gold foiling, which editor-in-chief Philip van Sale describes as classic elegance, and there's always been a secret message in the annual color change of cover. Yet it is in the details inside that make us wine lovers swoon. It's all you ever wanted to know about South African wine and then some. I often wonder whether Erica and John Platter 
who started the annual guide all those 40-odd vintages ago, even thought that it would still be around, a most delightfully nifty handbook cheerfully appearing around the run-up to Christmas, looking ahead at the next year, and defiantly nominate wines for star ratings. As it turned out, what started out as a somewhat crazy adventure to record and discern, the Plata South African Wine Guide is the country's record of note of our wine history the past 40 years. It's in the detail, see. Plenty of it, and often with a story that even the sussed wine lover didn't know. If you own all the platters, the line-up on my bookshelf is one of my most precious belongings, you have a veritable archive of what has been going on in our winelands, cellars, and the minds of winemakers and wine marketers. So if you are in the business of collecting Africana, you'll be happy to fork out 390 Rand for this one, and delve right into checking out the ratings of our best wines and producers, consider newcomers and discoveries, and maybe plot a visit or two during the summer months. For the guide gives all the detailed information for adventurous wine tourism. If you are newish to the pleasures of wine, you'll catch up on another of the platter's reading delights, carefully crafted tidbits on the state, people, and enterprises of South African wineries, now ever spreading their somewhat surprising geographical reach. As the original platter couple did when they, investigative wine-loving journalists of note, did in 1980, each entry has a mini-essay in nice gossiping copy. Great read, in other words. I'm not going to get into the silly argument about blind vis-a-vis cited wine ratings that also rears its head each year. Some wineries stubbornly for this reason boycott the guide, but suggest that that argument, as well as any other about the current state of South African wine, is one you can happily have with a copy of this lovely black and gold platter in your hand. And it's just in time for Christmas. Is it too early for a glass of wine? No, even with daylight savings, it's got to be after 5pm somewhere. Still trying to fill your season's reading shopping gift basket here on Book Choice on Fine Music Radio, sponsored by Exclusive Books, Anthony Frijon is never short of a great reading suggestion. To me, this book feels like it would make the perfect gift for your spouse or lover if they've been nice, or for both if you've been naughty. Just over a year ago, when I was introduced to Major William Hazard of the Marines, In Jonathan Spencer's excellent book, Napoleon's Run, I ended my review with, I look forward to reading the sequel, or possibly even sequels, when they come out. And here it is, Lords of the Nile, also from Canelo Books. Did it meet my expectations? Yes, and then some. This is a wonderful action-packed adventure story. When I left Napoleon's run, Hazard was in Malta. I won't go into any detail in case you haven't read it, but that is the starting point in The Search for Napoleon's Fleet of 400 Ships and Around 38,000 Troops. Their destination? Well, that is the challenge facing William Hazard in Lords of the Nile. In the skillful hands of author Jonathan Spencer, This is a page-turner of note. His knowledge of sailing and the ships of the times is encyclopedic, bringing the pages to life. Add to this, his in-depth knowledge of history makes this a superb read. Real 
historical figures are brought to life. If only history could be taught like this at school. All I can remember from all those years ago is Nelson defeating the French fleet at Aboukir, or as we were taught, Abuka Bay. And there is so much more to discover, and Spencer leads the way. What could be boringly dull, Jonathan Spencer turns into an exciting adventure. He paints the picture superbly. All you have to do is to allow it to fill your imagination and enjoy the journey. Any competent writer can set their hero in a perilous, seemingly impossible situation. But it takes a fine storyteller to provide the narrative for a plausible escape. Jonathan Spencer has that ability. I so enjoyed reading how he crafts his way out of the predicament. What of the love of Hazard's life, Sarah? Is she a spy acting for the British, putting her life at risk? Where is she? Then there's his arch-nemesis, Citizen Derrien, who is determined to expose Sarah, not just because of the possibility of her being a British agent, but because he has a much more personal interest, another reason to destroy Hazard. Of course, Hazard being the hero, you know that he'll survive, and no doubt so will Sarah, the love of his life, and they'll get together by the end of the book, and live happily ever after. Or will they? To find out, read Lords of the Nile, published by Canelo Books, author is Jonathan Spencer, and being a most skillful writer, he keeps one guessing to the last page. A final question for Jonathan Spencer and Canelo Books. When can I expect Book 3?
this show were selected and compiled by Rick Everett and Dave Woods. Thank you for your musical ears this year, guys, and we can't wait to hear what you have in store for us for 2022. We're almost ready to wrap up the show with a great idea for a gift for that uncle, sister, grandfather, father-in-law, best friend or nephew. There's that age-old question, what do you get someone who has everything? Well, we all like to laugh, and you can never have too many of those. So how about the latest offering from Zapiro, the man with the sharpest pen in the country? This year, Zapiro's annual annual is called It Only Comes in Orange, Mr. Zuma, cartoons from Daily Maverick, published by Jakarta. Zapiro, It Only Comes in Orange, Mr. Zuma, cartoons from the Daily Maverick. And with me is the man who wrote all about it. Jonathan, always good to see you in the studio. And as I say, whenever I've spoken to you, it's funny, but actually it's very serious. So, let's have a look at the year that you've been covering. And I like the one that uh, you did in February, when you didn't even know the full impact of what's going to happen, where you showed 2019 a heavy load with inequality, <laughs> unemployment, corruption, etc. Then you look at 2020, oh, it's an abnormal load because of the coronavirus. Yeah. And then you get to 2021. I think you better tell us all about 2021. Uh, yeah, I, I, what did I a write? A very heavy load and the showdown, all the things that yeah. went with the territory. Yeah. So it says, whoops, am I allowed to say it? Batshit crazy sure. load. <laughs> yeah. Quite a year, yes? Yeah, I mean, absolutely crazy. I mean, 2020, 2020 and 2021, uh, um, just, just outrageous. Uh, it, as if we could get any more outrageous than we were already. Uh, and but, how do you yeah. find it? funny well you know that's that isn't that hard for me it's a strange thing if you think about being a cartoonist almost in any era you one one has uh, the most insanely difficult issues to deal with and that sort of pressure release that that a cartoon can be has always been important. I mean, when we were talking about the, the AIDS crisis back then, when we were talking about 9-11 or invasions of different countries or, you know, t- terrible disasters and things. And what's really important is not to punch down. You don't make fun of people who've been in a terrible situation. But sometimes when people are responsible for a terrible situation and should be held accountable, there's a lot of humor in that. Well, it's political satire to make a point. Yeah, absolutely. And there are many points that you've made this year. And I know that one of the points you did make was in song. Are you going to do, seeing it's fine music radio, <laughs> can I tempt you to sing along? Sure. You know, I often do these things. I, I love Doggerel. I love Dr. Seuss. I love uh, Ogden Nash. I love uh, And sometimes I kind of decide to write something, either as a song or as a rhyme. And in this case, with the... The Zondo Commission being such an enormous thing over the past three years. and Grand and opera. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's incredible stuff there. So I have one where you, you see the silhouette of Shamila Batoy and, uh, and Zondo, Judge Zondo, walking into the Saxon World Shabin. I thought I'll do one more Saxon World Shabin 
cartoon with uh, because Brian Malefe was appearing yet again at Zondo, and I mean he is—he's uh, the guy who invented the Saxon Earl Shabin in every sense of the word. So final gig, Brian Malefe, Edith Piaf tribute, and it says, "No regrets, no, I will have no regrets. All the things that went wrong." I'll deny, Aish, the list is too long. And you see there things falling down the ESCOM and tall trains and load shedding and money laundering and all sorts of, all the rest of the stuff, inflating prices and stuff. No regrets, no admission of ill-gotten gets, leather bags filled with notes. I just talk about walking with goats. Remember that one? He had that weird thing. No regrets. No, I'll squirm out of their nets. My Shabine, I'll defend. Gupta billions, I'll hide till the end. Then he says, encore. And they say, no, please, enough. And uh, Shamila Butoy says, plenty, actually. And hopefully that is, hopefully some of those things that came out of the Zondo Commission are actually, I mean, really, it's about time that they were used by the NPA to, you know, put these cases together. Of course, there was one provision that was made during the Zondo Commission which allowed some of that evidence to be used, not in exactly the same form, but it's very important that that goes forward to the next level. Absolutely. Now, I see you bring out a book every year. Now, can we expect a CD as well? <laughs> do, you know, do you know, I've actually, funnily enough, I've, I've seriously thought it would be fun to compile some of the song cartoons and the dog rule cartoons and actually do something with a little, like a, a different book with a little CD. I've, I've actually got many of them. As they say in the classics, it. hang in there yeah. and we'll launch it on Fine Music Radio. <laughs> We've been speaking to Jonathan Shapiro, also known as Zapiro, about his latest book. What, what do you call your annual? Yes. Your annual. Zapiro. It only comes in orange, Mr. Zuma. And a wonderful way of re-looking and rethinking the year we've been through. And it's not been funny, but somehow this man makes it work that way. Ugh, politics. If you don't laugh, you cry. Zapiro, you're always my best. And so as we get ready to wrap up the very last book choice show for 2021, I'm making my list and checking it twice. And the only thing missing is me telling you what I've been reading. I just finished The Lincoln Highway by Immortals, published by Penguin. At well over 500 pages, I was going to save this novel for my summer holiday read. Then I couldn't help myself the other night, and I picked it up to take a squiz at the first page. And before I knew it, I'd been completely sucked in. By page six, as the warden drove off from dropping Emmett at his family farm in Nebraska in 1954, after he's finished serving his sentence, I knew it was for me. There's nothing fancy or postmodern about this book. It has no literary bells and whistles, no fancy tricks or structural innovations. It's just a good old-fashioned story, impeccably told, through the voice of a cast of friends, enemies, brothers and misfits. I have also loved Tiles' previous novel, A Gentleman in Moscow, and I'm definitely going to line up his Rules of Civility as soon as possible. He's an exceptional author. If you're looking to give the gift of a novel the reader can just sink into, even if that reader is you, I can recommend this one. And with that, we play out with Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas by saxophonist Mike Lartz, with the most enormous thanks to all our reviewers for keeping the show alive this year, and to Mwandi Lobi, Ewan Inglis, Wesley Lewis, Mark Jennings, Desiree Slabber, and Vanessa Levenstein, who work so tirelessly behind the scenes to make this show happen, 
as well as all my best bookie love to Exclusive Books, who so generously support this show every month. And you, dear listener and reader, without you, we certainly wouldn't be able to tell the whole story. If you missed any of the books or reviews we've mentioned in this show, the Book Choice podcast will be up on the Fine Music Radio website shortly. Please, mask up, vax up, and have yourself a merry and safe little Christmas.
Book Choice was brought to you by Exclusive Books, celebrating 70 years of getting more books to more people. 